Hi, everyone. My name is Hannah Stedemeyer, and I want to welcome you to my brand new show, Goat Talk. But first, I want to introduce myself to you. I am a fashion and social justice activist, a mother, an author, and the CEO and co-founder of Fashion for All Foundation. I'm really excited to bring this new show to you, exploring the topics of what it takes to be the greatest of all time. So tell your friends to tell their friends and get ready to hear from some of the greatest of all time. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready to hear from a goat? Welcome to Goat Talk. Greatest of all time. The greatest of all time. The greatest of all time. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the first episode of Goat Talk. And I am so honored and privileged to have our guest here today, Ralph McDaniels, a.k.a. Uncle Ralph. Um, Happy Hip Hop History Month. Hey, yeah, right? <laughs> is, it, is that exciting? I mean, we've been doing it. Thank you, first of all, for having me. And, you know, that it's official now, mm-hmm. Hip Hop History Month. We, we know we've been celebrating it for years. Right. But it's, you know, Charles Schumer, uh, Senator Charles Schumer made it official on the books, you know, mm-hmm. with the government now. So right. We, we government now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and that's another first. Like, this is the first month we get to celebrate it. So that's another first. So I'm really happy to get into this episode but I have so much to impact, so I just want to start the conversation. Um, what does hip hop mean to you? Um, it's my life, you know, and I didn't know it was going to be my life when I was, you know, before like probably 17, 18. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, I went to a jam and I heard certain beats, you know, because there was, I was a DJ early in the mm-hmm. game, like 14. And that, but that was like the disco era. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, there were certain DJs that were just taking the beats, um, the break beats and the breakdown part of the record and or the get down mm-hmm. part of the record. And um, and then I was like, okay, that's different. And they were extending the break. And then I started looking at the B-boys, the dancers. Mm-hmm. You know, because I was a DJ, I paid attention to the dancers because that's the most important part to a DJ's world is watching mm-hmm. the floor. And I started to see how they reacted to certain songs. And I felt the same way they did. And and then that became my lifestyle. I never knew that. Like, I never knew that was the most important part, like watching the floor. Is that still the same for today? Yeah. Yeah. You want to make sure that the dancers are happy. Yeah. (laughs) That's how you know, like, they're reacting to these songs that you're playing. You have good selections. Like, you have a good set because of how the crowd is moving. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and there's key dancers that are... You know, they're connoisseurs. They know music. Yeah. And so if you got them happy, you like, okay. They'll come to your party. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So let's back it up because a lot of people, for the the young ones who may not know, um, you're a a DJ, a VJ, a producer, the co-creator and host of Video Music Box. And you created that with Lionel Martin. Yeah. And anything else? Am I missing anything? A music video director. Music video director. A hip hop historian. Yeah. 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 uh, film producer. I was the my first job was Juice. Right. Um, Can we drop a goat? Can we drop a goat bleep? <laughs> I mean Juice. <laughs> so your first film was Juice. That's yeah. Tupac. Another goat. Yeah, yeah, another goat. Right. Yeah, and then um, and then in 2018, another feature was the um, Roxanne Roxanne mm-hmm. uh, film, which was uh, 
produced by Mimi, executive produced by Mimi Valdez, mm-hmm. and she brought me in on that because she was a fan of watching Video Music Box as a kid, and the first time she ever saw Roxanne Shante mm-hmm. was on Video Music Box. Mm-hmm. And she said, Ralph, I need you for this. And yeah. I was like, absolutely. So, I, and yeah. I, when I watched that, I didn't at that point even know how major a role you played in hip-hop. But now that I've been doing all of my research, I rewatched that, and I see, because they told, they told a full story. You guys told the full story. I didn't know that everybody knew each other back then. Like Martin, and they all worked together in a call center. Yes. And Roxanne and Salt and Pepper. Like I had no idea everything intersected. It was a very small community of hip hop folks, you know, and everybody knew. I say, I say now to some people, I said, well, it was only 500 of us that were really into hip hop. And, mm. you know, and some of my friends go, it's still only 500. Really? You think it's still that close-knit? <laughs> well, you said there's a lot of people that jumped on the bandwagon. Yeah, the yeah, years. after. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so tell us about, like, Video Music Box. How? Explain what that is, because I know we're on streaming, and this yes. was before cable, if anyone can imagine that. This mm. is before cable. Can you speak to how important that was and why that predated cable, what that meant to the community? Yeah, um, Video Music Box um, started out on a uh, local station in New York, and um, it was the only place we had that we could see hip-hop videos or interviews with hip-hop artists mm-hmm. and um, performances and just other things that were just going on in the community, not just the music part of it. You know, there might have been other things that were happening. You know, it could have been, you know, Thanksgiving or whatever it was, you mm-hmm. know, at some party or giving away turkeys or whatever it was. And... um and th- that's the only place you could see us being us, mm-hmm, right, you know, and right. it was, you know, in other spaces you saw it periodically, but it wasn't, you know, us being us, you know, like it was somebody else kind of looking in. Mm-hmm. This me, it was me. I was there. Mm-hmm. I was also in the scene. Yeah. So I was I knew certain things about people that, you know, people didn't know mm-hmm. the dancers, the DJs, the MCs, you know, I, I was, you know, I was part of the scene. So mm-hmm. I shot it from that perspective. Right. And um, and and I think that that was the difference between Video Music Box and other things that came out that came around after. that time. Yeah. And so, like you said, there was no YouTube, no streaming. Um, if you saw it, you saw it. If you missed that episode, you were mad. That's it. Yeah. Because everybody was like, yo, he just played the new video from, you know, Eric B and Rakim yesterday, yeah, yeah. and people were like, "I can't believe I missed that." Yeah, you know? because you couldn't, you know, it wasn't on demand like it is now. You know, where you can just look it up. Mm-hmm. So that's what made it unique. Um, and for many years in in New York, um, in the tri-state area, nobody had, you know, the the ability to 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 look back at the, at stuff. So some of the rare footage that was captured at that time was it, it aired at that time and may have never aired again. Mm-hmm. So, and everybody depended. What station did Video Music Box play on? A local station? Yeah, local station, um, kind of low-powered PBS station, mm-hmm. kind of like Channel 13 mm-hmm. and in New York. And um, and it aired on, um, in the beginning, it aired on Friday and Saturday night. And then they were like, yo, you know, people are really watching this. Mm-hmm. Can you put it on after school from 3.30 to 4.30? <coughs> excuse me, from 3.30 to 4.30. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and that's when it really took traction because now kids were coming home from school <laughs> and, you know, racing home from school, mm-hmm. getting the house, get their little snacks together, sit down <laughs> and watch Video Music Box because I was, you know, I was playing all the hip hop stuff. And yeah. that's what the kids were into at the time. 
And um, and it was, you know, like, you know, some people say it was it was like a religion for them to just watch this and see what was yeah. what was the latest thing. And what was most powerful about that is they could see themselves because outside of that, they didn't see themselves on TV. They didn't have that sense of identity and they couldn't celebrate themselves on such a big platform. Yeah. So another reason, like once again, you're pioneering the black self image, too. Did you know this when you came up with this idea? Did you did you know it was going to be that big? Um, I didn't know it was going to have that type of impact. I knew that I was going to show our folk in a positive light, because prior to that, anytime I saw a young black teenager who was being pushed in a, in a cop car mm-hmm. with his head down, and, you know, something happened on, you know, 34th Street or something happened on 125th Street, I would be like, please don't let it be a black person. Yeah. And, then, <laughs> <laughs> and but, you know, um, we were showing, you know, Latino, black kids that were into hip hop. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I always tell people hip hop brought everybody together because if you was Asian, you loved hip hop, you, you hung out with us. Wherever you were from, it, it had no color barrier on it. Mm-hmm. It was just the love of the music. Mm-hmm. And that's what took it there, you know. And so it was It was definitely shot. You know, I used to watch my show, and I'd be like, yeah, it was definitely a black person who directed this, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, you caught the nuance. Yeah. You caught all of the nuance of the culture. Yeah, I couldn't help it. I yeah. Help it. <laughs> no, that's really good. So I just want to go back and break down how uh, such a great moment this is and what you did was so great because – before you created Video Music Box, there were no music, rap music videos. Like, is that basically what we're saying? Like, you could not see it. You the, just heard it. Yeah, the videos existed, but they were not getting played. Right. So MTV existed at that time, but mm-hmm. we didn't have cable, so we never you saw couldn't MTV. couldn't see it, right. But they weren't playing no hip-hop videos yeah. on MTV. It and didn't. they weren't shooting them, right? No, Did they, they have access it. to go shoot? No, they were. The, the record companies were the ones that made the music videos, so if, you know, if they had an outlet that was playing them, they probably would have been making more vi- mu- mm-hmm. music videos at that time, but mm-hmm. there was no outlet for it. Right. So when Video Music Box came around, it was like, okay, we got a reason to make more more um, mm-hmm. hip-hop videos. Right. And so, you know, before that, it was like the artist might know a filmmaker, like, yo, man, let's collab on mm-hmm. something. So cats like Fab Five Freddy mm-hmm. and others that were around would be like, hey, man, I'm going to bring my camera through, man. We're just going to tape. It wasn't like a mm-hmm. real video. It was like, kind of like you in a space or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it was just like, let's get this song on camera. Yeah. But it wasn't like creative. You didn't have the creativity. You didn't have the clothes. You didn't have the sound. You didn't have the flavor. You didn't have any of that. No, nah, you, you didn't have all that. And you brought all that. Yeah, well, w- once we got on the air, yeah. now it was like, okay, there's an outlet for it. So yeah. others were creating it. I started making videos um, in 1987. Mm-hmm. So we started in 1983. So it was like four years after I started the show that I started making videos. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because the record companies were making them, pro- you know, most of the time. And I, I felt like they didn't capture the culture. Yeah. And I was like, I guess we got to get into the making of videos too. So we, yeah. we became <laughs> myself and Lionel. Well, really, Lionel became a music video director. Mm-hmm. And um, and so that's when we really started to see that we could be creative with film and editing and mm-hmm. all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, we didn't have, you know, stylists back then, but we went to Dapper Dan. And- Come on, shout out Dap. <laughs> <laughs> And Dapper Dan hooked you up, hooked the artist up with an outfit. Yeah. And that was it. Yeah. And um, so my question is, if you didn't have an outlet to play music on, how did you 
pitch this or how did you explain what you wanted if it didn't exist? That's what I want to know. That was the hard part, you know. I, I bet because <laughs> yeah. you're talking about the future and they're like, that right. doesn't exist. Yeah, the station was looking at me like, we have no idea what you were talking about, sir. <laughs> and um, and I was like, it's a videos, we play music videos. And because I saw some music videos that came into the station, but it was more like R&B acts from the, seven, from, the six, from the 80s. And I was like, okay, if we take some of these, the Whispers and Shaka Khan mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, Lionel Richie and Rick James, and we put those together mm-hmm. with a Run DMC video and the Fat Boys and Houdini, we have a program. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I did a little, you know, demo and I put it all together and I talked on it mm-hmm. and they still didn't get it. You know, like, why would people watch this? I said, because we don't get to see this anywhere. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so this is exclusive. You right. Know? And they were like, we don't know. And this show came on um, on an ABC affiliate in New York, and it was called Hot Tracks. And it was basically what we were talking about. And mm-hmm. I was like, that's it right there. Yeah. And, you know, but they were more more mainstream right, than right. we were. And they, and they were like, oh, okay, we get it. So when can you start doing this? And that's how it happened. So was Hot Tracks on cable? Hot Tracks was on the network. It was on ca- no, um, well, it was on wherever cable was at, but we still didn't really have cable. Exactly. Yeah. So some could see Hot Tracks, yeah. but not the masses. Right. Yeah. Right. But cable it still wasn't. wasn't it wasn't there yet. there yet. But you had an example finally for them to see, and then they got it. Yeah. So in this case, when it comes to like greatness, sometimes people like to be first. Mm-hmm. In this example, it was good that they went first, so you could say, yeah. "Okay, that's what I wanted." Yeah, no, nah, actually, yeah, it, it, it was proof of concept. Right, exactly. In today's world. <laughs> yeah, can, so can you speak to that? Because everybody's racing to be first, and yeah. I did it first, and they want to take the credit. But sometimes it's good to let some some people come before you so you can say, yeah. like you just said, proof of concept. Can you speak to that a little more? Yeah, no, nah, it, it just makes the sale a little bit a little bit easier mm-hmm. when people can really understand what you're, you're trying to sell. Um, and I don't care what it is, if it's a TV show, if it's sneakers, if it's outfit, if it's a car, whatever you're trying to make, you know, it, when people see it, that makes it easier. Mm-hmm. Even though we did have a demo of it, a reel of it, um, but, you know, it was brand new. Like, there was no idea of what this could be. So when it – plus, Hot Tracks was on ABC, which right. is a big network. Yeah. And so if they took the chance with it, then this small station could take the could chance Could take the it. chance, right. Yeah. So – I'm just trying to wrap my mind around this pitch because for me, pitches today are like my MacBook, a tablet, a spread, you know, either um, I have a, uh, what is it called? A PowerPoint, a presentation, right? Oh, yeah, PowerPoint, yeah. Did you bring a VHS and put it in a, like, how did you (laughs) pitch this? Basically, (laughs) (laughs) it was a VHS Mm -hmm. and we popped it in. But the, you know what? I forget about something else that was important to the sale, the idea, the sell of the idea. It, I, you know, when you watch these um, public broadcasting stations, they do fundraisers, right? So I'd given the tapes, the the the, the tapes that I had to the, the general manager, and he said we're going to play them during the fundraiser. Let's see how it does. And I was like, okay. You mm-hmm. know, so it was kind of like they were listening to me, mm-hmm. that they knew this thing could have some impact. Right. And they played the, the tapes individually, mm-hmm. and people gave money. 
when it when it when it was playing. Right. And he was like, man, the phones are lighting up when we play the videos. <laughs> and like, good idea, Ralph. Right. Right. It wasn't that wasn't necessarily my idea for yeah. what it, what I thought they were going to do with it. Mm-hmm. But that also helped me move me forward to having video music box. Okay, and yeah. that's why they were like, can you do this every day? Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, how old were you when you created this, and what did your life look like before? Like, were you able to just do it every day? You didn't have another job. Um, I worked at the station as an engineer. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I was working there. I graduated from college. I went straight from college to working there. I was an intern there. And as soon as I graduated, I said, you graduate, we got a job for you as an engineer. Mm-hmm. So I worked in engineering and production, doing camera and um, editing and everything else, but in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. And so um, so I you know, I had some knowledge of, of moving around a, a station. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so... And that, and then at night I was DJing. Right. I was DJing in clubs and stuff like that. Yeah. And um, so yeah, so that's where that's what I was doing. And then all of a sudden we put Video Music Box on, and then I was in, engulfed in that because yeah. we didn't have any way of getting feedback. Mm-hmm. There was no, um, we had no uh, no Nielsen ratings. Right. Oh, okay. At the station, so they didn't look at the Nielsen book. Mm-hmm. So one day a record company exec said, "Look, man, what's your Nielsen rating? Because you know, you you know, you say your show is number one, but mm-hmm. what's your Nielsen rating?" So I went to the station. They like, we don't get Nielsen rating. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. And I said, all right, I'll take a look at it. And I opened it up and I looked at it and it said point one for us. Yeah. None of the other shows on the channel had anything. It was zero. <laughs> and so I was like, point one, that don't sound like a lot. Mm-hmm. And the station manager said, oh, that's 68,000 people. I was like, 68,000 people? Mm. That's what that means? And I was like, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. Right. (laughs) For a public state, like a local station. Yeah. And, and, you know, and that was my motivation. My motivation was to get to at least a one point something. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and and I was like, kept doing it, kept working, kept working. And I would watch it go to point four, point seven, point eight. I'm like, we got to get to one. Yeah. And we eventually got to 3.4 and we were second in our time slot to Oprah. what? Yeah. So how many is 3.4? It's millions. It's like, I don't know, wow. some ridiculous number. And, you know, and it just, that was my motivation just to get to one in the beginning. And you got to three. We got to three. Can yeah. we drop another goat for that? <laughs> I mean, second to Oprah? <laughs> no, double, true. double goat. Double goat. <laughs> this is with no promotion, anything. You know, yeah. like we, we don't have the, the machine like ABC has or CBS or NBC. We're just like word of mouth. Getting out there, like literally putting flyers out, posters. Oh, so you did start prom- like guerrilla marketing Gu- a little guerrilla bit. Guerrilla marketing, yeah. yeah. Going to all of the, the hip-hop radio stations, anybody that's playing music, anybody, you know, anything, or newspapers, mm-hmm. you know, all yeah, of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about that because everybody want to be a GOAT. Everybody wants to be a GOAT, but everybody doesn't put the work in. Can you speak to the work? Like you were very intentional and you followed through, Yeah, right? no, you have to do the work. You know, there's, I mean, look, there are some people that get lucky and they get mm-hmm. in. And, you know, um, but, you know, like the difference between like then and now is that there was a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it was a lot of work. There was a lot. But you still have to put the work in. You right. know, now you can hit send and everybody gets it, mm-hmm. you know, and if they like it, they like it. If they don't, they don't. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, we were putting up flies. We didn't know if we people were watching, watching it or, not. or reading it. Or, you know, it wasn't until yeah. we went to the Nielsen. And even to this day, I still don't know anybody that has a Nielsen box in their house. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I always used to say that to myself. And mm-hmm. um, But you still had to put in the work. So that was going to the clubs, 
going to whatever events, any festivals, any mm -hmm. uh, conferences, mm -hmm. anything that, you know, you could get in front of people and they would talk about it. And um, and you had to do that on a consistent uh, level. And mm -hmm. I tell people, I think consistency, I'm obsessed with once I'm into something, mm -hmm. whatever it is, I'm obsessed with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> and so I'll just stay on it until, you until know. Until you get the results that you, it, you want. Know? Yeah. Yeah. So you, you got to stay with it. Yeah. So I know you were like young, hip hop is going on, it's parties, but you're working. Everybody else is partying and like consuming it. Yeah. Did you ever feel like, can you speak to those moments? Like I'm, I'm, I'm not partying with my friends. I'm not doing this. I'm on the other end, like working and, and grinding to, to get to that, you know, one point mm -hmm. rating. Yeah, I think that for me, too, while I was doing this, mm -hmm. I realized that there was no other cameras there. Maybe mm -hmm. every once in a while, one other camera. Now, everybody has a, a camera phone. Right, you right. Know? Um, but there's no cameras there. Mm -hmm. And there's all of these moments, if it's, you know, in the 80s with Run DMC and Eric B and Rakim and Big Daddy Kane, if it's in the 90s with Jay mm -hmm. and Wu-Tang and, you know, Nas, you know, there was these moments. And I was like... We have to keep this because this is going to tell our story, mm -hmm. you know. And 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 once that clicked in my head, everything was important to me because yeah. you never knew who was going to be big. Right, right. Who knew that Jay Z was going to be who he is? If any, nobody could tell you that. Yeah, and yeah. you knew him before he was yeah. Jay Z. He was just a skinny kid coming around. That's you know? crazy. And Will Smith. You know, and mm -hmm. Jazzy Jeff, you know, we didn't know, he. I should say, the Fresh Prince. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. That's, that is what he went by, yeah. the Fresh Prince. Nobody knew that this guy was going to be a big celebrity mm -hmm. like he is, you know. And, and and the list goes on because everybody was important. And people always say that, Ralph, you treated everybody equal. Mm -hmm. I said, right, because I didn't know who was going to be the right. one. Right, that's good, though. That's <laughs> smart. That's really good. Yeah. So back to Jay-Z. Well, hold on. I just want to make sure Video Music Box was created in what year? Um, 1983. 1983. So what is this, 37, 38, 38. years now? 38. Yeah. Did yeah. you did you just have an anniversary? Um, we didn't because I'm working on my documentary <laughs> oh, okay. and with COVID and everything. Yeah. But we did. We have we have right now. We have a it's our anniversary in this November. month? Yeah, November. Yeah. See this this yeah. <laughs> a divine timing. This yeah. November has been good to me. Yes. <laughs> You know, normally because we do events or we'll have a party or yeah. something, I was like, you know what? We don't have time to do that. Plus, with COVID, we can't have a lot of can't events. Can't even really do it. Let's not worry about that. You know, it's 38. We're cool. Hopefully, God willing, we get to 40. 40, and you yeah. could do it big <laughs> at 40. But yeah, so 38 years. So you have 38 years of content. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Where are you keeping all this content? So, you know, it used to be in storage. It was in different places. And, you know thing about video and any kind of media back then, like even if it was cassette tapes back in the days, mm -hmm. like those things start to get, they start to deteriorate yeah, after a while. And, you know, so, you know, they could go bad and we were like, look, we got to do something with right. this. And so last year, well, two years ago, we started uh, a nonprofit that would be to digitize everything. Mm -hmm. So we started raising money. And like, look, let's let's raise money so we can do it at the the best possible way, uh, quality, and we won't ever have to do this again. Right, right. And so um, we started raising money, Video Music Box Collection, um, dot org, and you know, folks were like, yeah, you know, I want to give to that. Yeah, I think it's that's important, important to preserving and digitizing our our memories. Mm -hmm. You know, some things meant so many, so much to people, not just the artists, but 
the fans that were at the shows, mm-hmm. you know, they were 20 years old then. Yeah, they were babies. Right. Now mm-hmm. they're 58. Yeah. And they know? could look back at that and relive those memories. Yes. Yeah. So the importance of, you know, hip-hop history is, is in any kind of history, is important. So um, we started putting all this stuff together. And so now we're, you know, we're... We're in the middle of it right okay, now. Okay, so you're yeah, halfway. We're through halfway all this there. Place. Yeah, it's 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 a lot. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot. So yeah. you are also. I'm gonna add this to your list of things that you are. You're the king of content. Yes. Like you are. You're yeah, the king yeah. of content. King right of content. Well, that's what um, my boy DJ K Slay always says. This guy's the king of content. You are. Everybody, yeah. you know, everybody's <laughs> content. If you pulled anything out your vault, you would shut Instagram down. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. know you have a lot of unseen footage. A lot of unseen footage. Um, that's going to be actually in the documentary that's coming up. Okay. When is this? <laughs> let's talk about that for a minute. When does that come out? The the documentary drops um, December third mm-hmm. on Showtime. Um, it's part of Hip Hop Fifty. Um, and Nas is directing it. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, how do you feel? And it's about you, right? Yeah, it's all about That's, us. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's funny because I directed Nas's first video mm-hmm. for um, Illmatic, uh, the song "It Ain't Hard to Tell." I directed that, mm-hmm. and so we have a history from the beginning. You That's know, a long relationship. Yeah, I did a lot of stuff with him in the beginning. He used to come to my parties. I captured him before he did it, even did his album when he was working with. Um, large professor and main source mm-hmm. and MC Search, and you know the first time you ever saw this this kid, young young, he's literally a kid, mm-hmm. and um, so our history goes back, you know, and to watch the way he's progressed and who he became is amazing to yeah. me, you know. And so for him, at his status right now, to come in and say, "Yo, Ralph, I'm going to do this," mm-hmm. was a was a blessing. So I was like, I'm blown away. You know? But what I mean, you know, Nas is a goat too, but. You, did you help break Nas's career? Absolutely. So why would I mean? What yeah. do you mean? No, yeah, no, yeah, no. Yeah. We're not gonna downplay you. Like, yeah. of course he would come back and do yeah. that. That's that's the only way to pay respect. Well, you know, the, the business is funny sometimes. I know, I know. But Nas isn't. Like, I, <laughs> Nas I can is tell good. he's not. Like, yeah, no, yeah, Nas, Nas is good. Yeah. Yes, Nas is good. That, no, congratulations. That's amazing. Um, I can't wait. I'm gonna be glued yes. to the TV. Yeah. I can't wait. December third on Showtime. Yes. Um, Ali has something. Huh? Oh, can we drop a goat for that? That's what he was saying. Double back to back. That's no, that's major. And then you have Nas directing it. So this is all hip hop, like family history, culture. Yeah. Um, can you name really quick some of the other careers that you helped break into the industry? Because it's a lot. Jay Z's one of them. Yeah. Um, Jay Z. Um, well, I'll tell you people that are yeah. in, in the doc. Jay Z's in the doc. Um. We definitely worked with him from the beginning when mm-hmm. he was working with Jazzo, and um, and he was, and then at, at that point he started working with um, Big Daddy Kane, mm-hmm. and we were watching this kid come up, you know, in the ranks, just playing mm-hmm. the side. Um, Damon John, mm-hmm. um, who's from Shark Tank, yeah, from um, Fubu, he, he started with Fubu, and they gave me the first shirts, and oh, I okay. did the first interviews with them, and once I did the interview, like their phone started ringing off the hook. They didn't have. They didn't even have a hundred shirts at the time. Wow. They, they they couldn't sell. They, this, their, the whole thing sold out. Yeah, and they were like, "We gotta get. We More, need, we yeah. need help yeah, di- yeah. with distribution." <laughs> and so Damon um, has definitely been, you know, uh, a guy that we watched from day one, and mm-hmm. I've worked with with him and Fubu, and still continues to, you know, hit me up every once in a while. Like, get my opinion on something. That's he looks. Good. He calls me his mentor. Yeah, that's dope. Yeah, and um, what about LL Cool J? 
Yeah, LL mm-hmm. from the beginning. That's you know, big. you know, LL. Um, I mean, all of those guys. You know, especially Run DMC. Mm-hmm. You know, they were like Ralph was there every step of the way with us in the beginning. You know, mm-hmm. even when the big channels weren't coming around, mm-hmm. Ralph was still there. Mm-hmm. You know, and there were moments when they wanted. You know, like how come you know whoever ABC or CBS is not covering this. Because ABC and CBS weren't ready for hip hop yet. Yeah. MTV in the beginning wasn't ready wasn't for hip hop. Yeah. For, for hip hop yet, and so between local shows like myself and you know probably European market, mm-hmm. which was a little bit more progressive, you know they were starting to cover it in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So you know places like Germany and France and London were like, yeah, you know let's yeah. see what this underground thing is all about. about because it was just strictly underground, like literally. Yeah. You could barely get a record on the radio back then. A hip hop, yeah. And yeah. right now it's the number one leading genre right. in music, which is so crazy. <laughs> like I and and you helped with that. Yeah. I mean, you did that. You showed. You introduced hip hop to the world. This yeah. is who we're talking to. <laughs> you know what I mean? Get a close up. This this <laughs> is how serious this is. Another yeah. goat. He introduced hip hop to the world. That's why I am so grateful that you said yes to this interview. And I want to go into that. Um, as great as you are, you didn't have to respond to me. You didn't have to give me access. But why was that so important? And why do you give back in that way? Um, I think that, well, in your case, <laughs> you know, I think that you, the way you explained what the show was about, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, it was different than anything else I've heard before. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, we're talking about how we get to this point and the impact yeah. of things, not just in hip hop. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I believe that, you know, if it wasn't for hip hop, Barack Obama doesn't become president. 100%. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I believe that, you know, hip hop brought all cultures together. Mm-hmm. You know, even though, yeah, there's some, some things, of course, cultures fight with each other right. in between, but overall, I never was going to, you know, uh, Japan and going to Brazil and all these places. It was only because of hip hop mm-hmm. that I was going there, and when I got there, people didn't speak English, mm-hmm. and you know, and didn't understand like, but they got the vibe. Yeah, so yeah. hip hop took me into all of these different countries mm-hmm. and Africa and everywhere I went. It was yeah. all, you know, in the last most of the time, it's only because of hip hop and the name of hip hop. Yeah, it, it... and so I realized that it was the music that brought us together. Mm-hmm. Um, I also realized that, um, and and Gil Scott Heron, who just was uh, inducted into mm-hmm. the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was a friend of mine before he passed away. And he said to me, um, you know, hip hop is like the drum, you know, mm-hmm. in Africa. And that's how different tribes communicated with each other through the drum. Oh, okay. And that's, that's what hip hop does. And then you put a word on top of yeah. it. And it's even a more powerful mm-hmm. message that you're sending. And that's all that hip hop is. Mm-hmm. Sometimes in some some people say, some of the old timers say, the words and the drum get you get mixed up and you got to be <laughs> right you got to be aligned you, you got to be, be in sync <laughs> <laughs> you got to be the drums are saying one thing and the words are saying, saying another something thing you're like what <laughs> yeah so it's sending a double message now that's um so what do you think about the current state of hip hop i just want to go here for a bit yeah, like, yeah, what, yeah. what do you think i'm a fan of whatever's out there you know there's some things that i'm not i don't really care for but i think it, everything is has to progress in yeah. its own way yeah um so you know, I have a friend of mine, T.J. Clark Kent, great mm-hmm. guy. You I know. like T.J. Clark Kent. And he was like, the only way to understand what these kids are doing now is to go where, they, where they're at right. and get and sit in their environment. Mm-hmm. And I said, that's a good idea. So I started going to, 
you know, events. You know, nobody knew who I was. I was an OG, you know. Mm-hmm. And I just watched the audience and I watched what they reacted to. And I said, oh, this is no different than when we were doing it when we were 20 and right. 20, 21. So they have their own thing. They're picking up on certain things that they listen to. And and that's it. You know, it's not going to be our hip hop right, that right. was 30, 38 years ago or 40 years ago, whatever it was. And so it's going to be their thing, mm-hmm. you know. And, and you know, it's it's been commercialized. Mm, a lot. You know, a lot, you know, because, you know, the fact that you're streaming is – you're in the belly of the beast of commercialization. Mm-hmm. What we're doing right now is commercialization. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> you know, we used to be able to, you know, get on, talk with each other in, you know, in certain spaces and go to listen to somebody speak. Now, this is this is commercialization at its best. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's what, you know, hip-hop is, you know, continues to, and any, any genre of music yeah. continues to get out there in that way. So... You know, look, you get with it or you, you know. You, or you, you get left behind. Yeah. And, of course, it has to evolve. I know a lot of people are like, oh, I don't like the mumble rap today. Mm-hmm. And what I what I have and what I understand now is, like, of course, when it first started, hip-hop first started, it was a message. And it was, you know, that was born out of struggle and what we were, what you guys are all going through. And now the sound has changed because the world has changed. Yeah. And the struggles have changed. We yeah. deal with a lot of different things now than you guys had to deal with. So that's why it sounds and it has evolved to this point. But it's still relevant to our generation because, you know, we're in the middle of it right now. Yeah. No, I, I believe that this gen- your generation is not having it. Stuff that we was, like, trying to struggle for, yeah. you know, <laughs> y'all like, mm-mm, we ain't having it. Yeah. You know, we shut it down immediately. Right, immediately. You know, we still trying to negotiate. Yeah. And still today, you know, yeah. I have to catch myself and be like, what am I doing? Like, you know, like, I'm better than it's this. Okay. No, I don't have to take this. Right. Yeah. And you and your generation are like, no, see you later. We walk away. I don't away. have to put up with this. I'm yeah. walking away. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, but wait, there might be a no, no, no. All that I'm, I'm good with the no. Like I'm fast with a no. So with that, can you speak to? Because I know you know this now, going through all the business that you've done and all the deals, a no is more powerful than a yes. Right. Can you speak to that? I think great leaders and great people understand that. But yeah. our generation sometimes we say yet yeah, anything because we want the bag. I'm talking about from that perspective. Absolutely. But right. when you say no and let them know. I'm willing to walk away from it. You're saying a lot more with that. Can yeah. you speak to how powerful the no is in essence? Yeah, no. I mean, I, I I look up to people when they do that. When I first started to, you know, re- meet people and be like, no, 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 don't, don't, you're going to lose the bag. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, well, not even just lose the bag, opportunity. The opportunity, right. Right. So, you know, and, you know, it's like I was talking to somebody and I'm like, we were trying to get something sold and we were like, Begging to get our culture on this platform. Like, mm-hmm. I felt like I was you begging. You were begging, for it. yeah. Right. And I was like, <laughs> this is not cool. Right. Ain't nothing cool about that, mm-hmm. you know? And, you know, y'all should be happy that we, especially me, yeah, you know, I'm like, look absolutely. what I'm bringing to the table. Yeah. And so, you know, and I watched somebody negotiate and say, like, All right, nope, we out. And, you know, and I had to get up with them. And, and I was walking away and I was like, Hmm, was this the right idea? Yeah. Was this but but 
I respected it, and I and I respected that person, mm-hmm. and I looked at that person and said, "I want to be like that." Yeah, and <laughs> now have you adopted that yeah. characteristic? Yes. Good. Yes. I love the no. <laughs> <laughs> so, what other characteristics? Speaking of greatness, like what are some characteristics of greatness according to you? Oh man, um, I think it it takes a while to get, and this is kind of connected to what you just said. Mm-hmm. It takes a while to get comfortable in your own mm-hmm. space, you know, mm-hmm. you know, and to understand your wealth, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, yeah. because if nobody's, you know, kind of like saying, hey, you know, here's, you know, you're a king, you're a queen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're just like, okay, well, so when did that happen? Yeah. And you're continuing trying to go and, and get that. But you you were king, we were kings and queens out the jump, mm-hmm. you know, but it took me a second because nobody was saying that no to me. No one said it to you, yeah. You know? and, and, and I've probably wasted a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And so I tell people, as I got older, mm-hmm. I'm like, don't waste no time. You know, if, if we can yeah. get that to anybody that's listening to this right now, it's yeah. like, time is super important. <laughs> can you look into the camera and say that? Because it's a lot of time wasters out yeah, there. Yeah, there's a lot of time. Time is so important. You Like, you can't get that back. Mm-hmm. Like, you could lose money and you could work and get it back, but you cannot get time back. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. And that part is, is I as I'm older now, I'm like, man, I wasted a lot of time. Mm-hmm. You know, so... Now when it happens, I'm like, Mm-mm, this sounds like it's gonna be some we wasting time. Yeah. Or I tell people, don't waste time. You know, like if you're 25 or you're 30 years old and you're listening to this right there, don't think that I'm young. I got time. Oh yeah, don't do that. Don't do that because that's not true. Because just that fast, you'll be 40. No, seriously. <laughs> In a blink. Yeah. Like you wake up like, I'm turning 40. Right. And you know how everybody gets when they get 40, you know. Yeah. And so it's like. Hey, you should have said that when you was twenty five or you twenty one. Yeah, you know, because we don't we don't have that, and so take advantage of that. I mm-hmm. think um, that's one of the major things for me, you know. And I'm trying to think of what else that I've, you know, a characteristic. Yeah. Well, you said it earlier, which is one obsession, like great, like Steve oh. Jobs. He was obsessed. Yeah, Muhammad Ali. Yeah, obsessed. Yeah, Michael that, Jordan, Kobe yeah. Bryant, all upset. Yeah, that's that's definitely you know, and and I used to be like, I'm gonna just outdo you in a space working. Mm-hmm. Now it's like I'm gonna outdo you, you know, but really focus on making the mark and right, the mark right. every time, every time. Yeah, and so you know, you know, sometimes you're not going, you're not not going to hit it, you know, on the head, but you know, like in now, like right now, I'm doing this project. And, you know, instead of, like, going, like, okay, I'll let that pass. I'm mm-hmm. like, no, that sound has to come in at this point. Exactly. You have to attention at, to detail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. Yeah, we have to cut to the next shot mm-hmm. exactly at that time. <laughs> the color on it is not quite right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they said that about Michael Jackson, another, of course, the GOAT. So yeah. he would be practicing or rehearsing, and he said he would not move forward to the next song or the next dance or anything if if even one decimal like of sound was off. He would say, no, it's not supposed to sound like that. Mm-hmm. Bring it down. The level's too high. And it's like, we don't hear it. And he's like, I hear it. Yeah. No, I was I, I was on a meeting in a meeting today and they were like, oh, you're thinking too much about it. Oh, yeah, you're overthinking it. Yeah, you're overthinking it. And I was mm-hmm. like, no. Yeah. I know what I like. Yeah. And I know what I feel in my mm-hmm. spirit. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of time it's right here. Mm-hmm. You know, it's in your spirit and you go like, Something's wrong here. Let me figure out what yeah. this is. Is it the sound? Is it the picture? 
Is it, you know, something that was said? You know, mm-hmm. what is it? It's something that's not right here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and sometimes you got to stop. You know, once again, no. Yeah. <laughs> let's, you know, let's take a look at this for a second because everything is fast right now. Yeah. Oh, we need it now. We need it yesterday. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it's like, you know, okay, but let me take a look at it one more yeah, time. Yeah, <laughs> like slow down. Yeah. Trust yourself. Yeah. Be obsessed. Yes. Um, which is more than passion. Passion is fleeting. Mm. But obsession is yeah. like permanent. Like yeah. I, you know, it's like a dog with a bone. Like yeah. I'm not letting this go. Um, I do want to say another thing about time. So money is cheap. And I say this all the time, which is why I could say no to money. Money's cheap. We could get that. I could sell some shoes and get it again. Mm-hmm. I cannot sell anything to get time again. Right. So I don't play with my time. Like money, I, I'm not going to be too mad if I lose it or right. somebody cheat me out of something. No big deal. But if somebody wastes my time or cheat me out of time, you know, like that. Can't get it back. I can't get that back. Nope. So, <laughs> yeah. So the sense of urgency, that's another characteristic. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely um, sense of urgency. Sense of urgency. And we're going to go on a break. But before we do, I want to just cue this up. We're going to get into the story of Biggie. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So we're going to go on a quick break, but (laughs) that's one of my all-time favorite rappers. And you knew him when he was Fat Chris. Yeah, Fat Chris. But no more. We're not saying no more. We're going to take a quick break. Hi, guys. I wanted to take a quick break just to let you know. Please visit videomusicbox.com. It's the longest running music video show in the world. If you love what you're hearing, you can visit videomusicbox.com to purchase exclusive merch and learn more about Ralph McDaniels and what he's up to. Also, if you like this interview and you're really enjoying this content, please visit my Patreon page at www.patreon.com backslash goat talk podcast. Again, that's www.patreon.com backslash goat talk podcast. That's G-O-A-T-T-A-L-K-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Thanks, guys. Okay, and we're back. We left off um, with a, a good story that you're about to tell us about the first time you met Biggie. Yeah, I was at um, Tower Records in the village in New York City. And um, Tower Records was like, you know, the spot you go get some new CDs and whatever at the time. And there was an ice cream truck that used to be on the corner. And I remember you know, I was going in or we was coming out of Tower Records and we were getting some ice cream, me and my man Beast. <laughs> Beast is like 6'6". Six, six. He does security for a lot of people. And, um, and we're sitting there eating some ice cream. This is in the summertime. It's hot. And this girl came up. She said, hey, Ralph, hi. You know, I want to introduce you to the Notorious B.I.G., and I was like, okay, but I couldn't see him. I could just see her. Mm-hmm. And he came up behind, and it was like this young kid who was chubby and didn't look anything. It was nothing notorious about him. He was just <laughs> right. this chubby kid. Right. And I was like, that name doesn't fit his face, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but you said it to yourself. Yes, oh, okay. I said it to myself. <laughs> and you know how, like, you know, kids be looking tough and stuff. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. Was he, he trying he to? He was trying to look tough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, all right. And um, and so I was like, okay, no problem. Wasn't it nice to meet you? You know, like I said, I treated everybody the same. You don't mm-hmm. know who's who. And I was like, nice to meet you, man. Look forward to hearing your music and mm-hmm. stuff. And um, and then six months later, Party and Bullshit came out, mm-hmm. and he was a different guy. Mm-hmm. You know, like he had grown up in yeah. that six months, like yeah. real fast. And he yeah. was, was 
you know, this is I think in that even at that time he had the camouflage on and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But this was that era and um and he just transformed him to a whole nother person. Mm-hmm. And you know, and I'm from originally born in Bed Stuy and then I moved to Queens, New York. But in Bed Stuy, you know, in his neighborhood, he's known as Fat Chris. Yeah. And so, <laughs> and so you know, Fat Chris was, you know, always into something on the block. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. You know. So people knew of him. Yes. Okay. Yeah. But I don't think that anybody thought that it was going to go there. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think that, you know, it was – because I guess he was kind of like – most rappers that I meet are a little nervous about rapping at first. Mm-hmm. Like they don't want people to hear them because really? then you might criticize them. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't think. I thought they would be confident. Like I could rap and I, I, I'm ready I, to go in their house, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but not like in front of someone. And then it's video music box, so right. they might have felt pressure. Yeah, but there are tapes of um, Notorious B.I.G. when he was young, mm-hmm. young, young, like 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 eleven, twelve, and his mm-hmm. friend shot him, you know, with a camcorder. And he was acting like he was on Video Music Box. Really? Right. And it's on the internet, like Young B.I.G., if you look for it. And it looks like they were in the hallway yeah, or yeah, somewhere yeah. by their house. Yeah. And it almost looks like he has his, you know, because I think he went to Catholic school. And yeah, he had the yeah. uniform on. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yo, what's up, V.J. Ralph McDaniels? And oh, so, my gosh. Can we drop thought, a goat for that? Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> it's it's. <laughs> It's it's amazing. It, it, you know, when I saw it, people thought it was my footage. And I was like, look at how old he is. He's yeah, yeah, you weren't doing that. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so um, so he was watching the show as a kid, watching guys like mm-hmm. Big Daddy Kane and, you know, probably Rakim mm-hmm. and, and others, Heavy D and the boys. And he was like, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. And so he was acting like they acted on my show. On your show. Yeah. How did you? He you outside the tower. He was really in heaven. In his mind, trying to be hard. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. A great time. He, 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 he probably said, "That's Ralph McDaniel's." Of course, I want to meet him. Yeah, but I didn't know that. You know that history I just told you just now. Yeah, but he was, and and then I started looking at some old footage one day. I talked about we digitized and stuff, and I saw him in the crowd at parties, mm-hmm. and he was just studying. He was a student of hip hop. He studied the way people moved on stage. He studied the, the way they delivered the songs, what songs they did in what order, how they they got the crowd mm-hmm, hyped up, you mm-hmm. know, with the hype man or if, or with themselves. Yeah. And so he was studying this before he became Notorious B.I.G. Can we drop the Notorious? Dope. No, 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 notorious. Shout out to Biggie. Um my favorite rapper, favorite really? rapper. The reason why I even lived in Bed-Stuy, I moved to Bushwick a couple of years ago. But when I'm from originally from Cleveland. Yes. And so when I moved to New York, I'm like, I got to get to Brooklyn. And the reason why I picked Bed-Stuy, like on Marcy and um, Putnam, like yeah. I had to be as close as possible to where Biggie lived. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. I know. And I lived on Marcy and Putnam. Yeah? Yeah. Wow. For the first probably five years that's I was so there for awesome. a minute yeah and i will always go on his block and just around the block and i just felt like i had to be in it i had in to be space. around it yeah. yeah so where where'd you grow up at in best eye um i'm from hancock street which mm-hmm. is not too far not at all yeah. it's right down the street yeah and um and then i moved to um to queens mm-hmm. to hollis and that's how i met russell oh russell okay Simmons. and that's how that and that's how the whole you know um 
My friend Davey D, um, he had a record out, Davey DMX. Davey mm-hmm. D, you are the best. You rock the beat with the DMX. And then, you know, <laughs> it came out on a major label. Uh-huh. And, you know, he was an international superstar. He mm-hmm. was going to Europe and traveling. Wow. And then he started working with um, Jam Master J. Mm-hmm. He taught Jam Master J about producing records and mm-hmm. stuff. And, um, and you know, and then, you know, in the song you hit, Jay cut the record down. I mean, Dave cut the record down to the bone. Mm-hmm. They're talking about my friend Dave. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, that's dope. And so then that was the development of, of, of Run DMC. Then I moved back to Brooklyn. Because mm-hmm. like you, I was like, I got to go back to Brooklyn. Like, Queens was cool, but it was quiet. Yeah, you and had I to was, get back in it. And, I, you know, I love Caribbean food and all of that Everything stuff. Everything is and there. That, <laughs> Brooklyn is about, not that they don't have good food in Queens. Yeah. But I want somebody to listen to it and say, You know, you already know they're going <laughs> to. <laughs> and, uh, but I, I moved back to Flatbush and um, and I lived in um, in Flatbush. And so I started meeting other people. And, mm-hmm. you know, and that was where I lived when I first started Video Music Box in Flatbush. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. I thought you were in Queens when you started no. Video Music Box. Okay, so you were in Flatbush. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. We were back in Brooklyn by that time. And um, and it was, you know, we could see that something was happening, mm-hmm. you know. Like, um, I think somebody mentioned earlier um, Crush Groove, because I remember when Crush Groove was starting to shoot. Mm-hmm. And... Um, couple of people that worked on the, on the, on that film they had jackets that said crush groove and they lived in my name i was like man where did they get that crush groove jacket yeah yeah you know? <laughs> <laughs> and so that that is how like everything came together and and i want to i want to speak to this moment i want to show you this picture and i just want to i want to see your reaction i want you to talk about this moment oh wow <laughs> yeah michael jackson at summer jam can you Amazing. can you walk us through? I mean, come on, this yeah. is Michael. Yeah, Michael Jackson, um, Jay Z. It was a rumor because at first, you know, you don't want to say something, especially in a big production like that, that somebody's coming. And the word started getting out a couple of days before Summer Jam, and Summer Jam is like the biggest concert in New York, mm-hmm. and um, that Michael Jackson was coming, and Jay Z was going to bring him out. Mm-hmm. And so we at the station was like, yeah, he's definitely coming. We knew that. Oh, and, so you knew he was Yeah, because I worked sure. at Hot 97 okay. at that time. And so, you know, I was backstage. So, of course, I got my camera. Of I'm course. ready. I'm on yeah, standby, yeah. <laughs> ready to get Michael Jackson. And so the general manager's like, no cameras. Ralph, you're going to get him. He's going to get back in his car, and he's going to leave. He said, no cameras. I said, you're not going to do that. Yeah. But, you know, she was like, no cameras. And so I said, all right. So it was like Jay-Z was the last artist on. So this is yeah. like 1130 at night. People been there since 2 in the afternoon. Yeah. And so we're waiting on Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. You know, Jay's on stage. The limos pull up. You know, I mean, the SUVs pull up. Michael gets out, and he's back there talking, and mm-hmm. he's doing whatever he's doing. Meanwhile, Jay's still on stage. Like, like he's almost like, I've done all my songs. I'm just waiting for He's Mike. stalling at yeah, this point. Yeah, he's stalling. And so I have my camera, like, in the stash, you mm-hmm. know. Like, and so, um, you know, he came up, and he got on stage. And so it was so many people that I couldn't get – a good shot. Mm-hmm. So I started shooting it off of the monitors mm-hmm. in the in the um, in the arena. Oh, in the arena, yeah. In the arena, and um, and so then Jay comes off stage. Michael leaves. Jay comes off stage. I literally meet Jay as he's coming off the stage, and walk with him back to his dressing room. And I'm like, you have to talk about this. Yeah. And so there's this classic interview with me in the yeah. in the in the in the dressing room, and then right before we were getting ready to do it, Jay goes. Let everybody else talk about it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, what are you saying? Yeah. And he's like, 
it, let everybody else talk about it. I said, I don't even know what, I don't even understand what you're talk, telling me right now. How yeah. am I doing an interview with you and everybody else is talking? Yeah, yeah, and so, yeah. <laughs> and so Dame Dash, of course, was there. Dame yeah, of Dash. course, yeah. <laughs> and he started, King of Pop, King of, King of Hip Hop. You saw it? You know, he goes yeah. into his hype and others and Clue and Freeway mm-hmm. and Beanie Siegel. And Zab Judah was there. Right. I saw when yeah. you panned over. Yeah. They was like, I get him. And he's like, yeah. you and know, like. Jay's not saying nothing. Jay's, people thought that Jay was putting up, like, gang signs. Yeah, I don't understand. He like, was just he pointing. Sign? He was going like this. And, he, I, and people like, over the years, that was 1998 <laughs> or whatever it was, people were going, oh, he's throwing up gang signs. I was like, no, he wasn't. Yeah. He was just pointing to different people to talk. Like, you go next. You go next. Yeah. And so um, he... You know, there's been the rumors in the, oh, that was it, the Rockefeller, Rock Nation, Rockefeller was over at that point. He knew he was going to do go solo. He wasn't going to have all these artists. But that was not the case. He was just so yeah. overwhelmed mm. that he had just done. And the what, you know what it takes to get Michael Jackson to come somewhere at that time. I mean. That was a big deal. And he was just so overwhelmed that he had done it. First of all, he had accomplished it. He had a record out with him at the time. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot. And he said, to be honest with you, I was... This is Jay's in Jay's words. I was so high off of what had that just moment, happened yeah. that I didn't even know what to say. Like what, like the song, you know, no, you know, what more can I say? Yeah, yeah. You know, so he was just like, let everybody else talk. I said, you know how pissed off I was with you, Jay. Oh, you were, you were mad because he didn't give right. you any insight on like how are you and he feeling? Said, I know, I know, I know, I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but at least you had him on. I mean, at least we saw that because now that you're explaining it, that's actually very deep. And that people of Jay-Z's stature can get overwhelmed. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, for me, it's showing me a, a human side, like an intimate side of him, yes. vulnerable. That he, We really don't get a chance to see that. And he couldn't process it that fast. Yeah, nah. You know? It, he was, because, I mean, from the time he walked off the stage to when we did that interview, an hour and a half had went by. Yeah. Because he was walking around the, the, the room in the backstage mm-hmm. and everybody's, you know, just doing what they do backstage and doing talking and and he was like just Pacing. he was still moving. Yeah. The energy of doing that show was, he couldn't stop. He yet. couldn't yeah, he was still trying to get it out. Like right. how can I Slow release this? Yeah. Right. That's crazy. He was just moving around, moving around, moving around, moving around. And I was looking at him like, Okay, let's do it now. He was like, Give me a second. Give me a second. He, that's wow. So mm-hmm. You heard it here first. He's saying it. Like, if Jay-Z can get nervous or overwhelmed, mm-hmm. right? Not even nervous. If he could be overwhelmed from coming in contact with Michael Jackson, one of the greatest entertainer who's ever lived, yes. don't be so hard on yourself, like, when you do that. Because mm-hmm. we all have those moments when we become overwhelmed or we're not our best or we just can't process what we feel. <laughs> and so we shouldn't try to push it. Right. That was good that Jay-Z slowed down. It was like, I'll just choose not to. Yeah, no, and and you know, and that's he's he's like that. You know, he'll play it yeah. off. He'll keep with that. He did. He played it off. <laughs> he was very stoic, and I was just like, oh, he's just being tough. I just thought he was just like, yeah. I honestly thought it was arrogance in a way. Like, yeah, yeah I brought Michael Jackson out. No. That's what I thought it was. No, he he was he was overwhelmed. Yeah, no, was, that's deep. He said it was too much. He said he said I was, I didn't even know what just happened. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I mean, I would. Most people faint, you know, in the presence of Mike. Like, they're fainting. They're doing all kinds of things. So, so you really have to ask the question, Michael Jackson or Drake, 
Oh, please. Uh, We're not even... <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, hey, look. I love Drake. Right, right. We love Drake here, but no, that's not even a question. That's not a question. But I do... That leads me into the next um, question for you. It's a perfect segue. Can you speak about a moment where, you know, video music box, you're at the height of everything going well. What was like one major obstacle that happened that could have threatened the future of it or the longevity or the legacy of video music box? And you chose to overcome it and not let that hold you back because we all have pitfalls and we all go through like huge challenges. I think for me, um, it was probably when we were on the station, we're doing really well. Mm-hmm. Like I said, the numbers we competing with at Oprah. Yeah, that's big. And you know, and I'm like, man, you know, it took a lot to get to that point. Yeah. And the station was like, okay, we're selling the station. And we were like, um, what? What do you mean? Yeah. And so they had been saying that for a while. And then it was like, okay, on this date, yeah, no, the we're station selling will it. be off. <laughs> there will be nothing on this station. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay. But then when it happened, so for for 16 years prior to that, or 15 years prior to that, I was going there every day. Mm. And then it was like, okay, we're not doing that. And so people are still calling me like it's happening. You know, like, yo, Ralph, you know, can you come through and do this interview? Oh, we're going to be over here. Oh, mm-hmm. this, and, and we're, we're not on the air. Yeah. They don't even realize we're not on the yeah, air. Yeah, right. And I'm like this, like, we don't have a show. Yeah. And I was like, what are we going to do? And... um. And I was like, oh, I got to get another station to get on. Like now. Mm-hmm. Like, not, like yesterday. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so um, it took a while. And at first, you know, I tell people, I said, I was stuck. Like, you know, everybody was like, oh, you should go here. You should go here. You should go here. You should go here. As if it just happens like Right. This. It don't happen like yeah. that. Yeah. And I was like, it's not going to work over there. It's not going to, you know. And I had to sit and take a second mm-hmm. and meditate on it. Yeah. And then, you know, I was, you know, and it, it wasn't too long because my phone was ringing. Like, Everybody what are you doing? You what are we doing? What are yeah. we going to do? Yeah. What are we going to do? All the staff and stuff, the people that work with us, the host, the other host. And, um, and I, you know, I went to the station. It was similar to what we do now. Mm-hmm. I mean, to the station we were on. Mm-hmm. And they were like, nah, we don't know. We know you. We heard about you. All right, we'll give you a shot. I said, I just need to be on, because we were on every day. I said, just give me Friday and Saturday. Mm-hmm. Let me be on. Mm-hmm. And they were like, at, I said at 3.30, and they were like, nah, not 3.30, 11 o'clock at night. Oh, they're going to give you a dead hour? Right. <laughs> but I didn't care. Yeah, you I just said, needed. I needed to get on. Somebody, they, people need to see this, mm-hmm. you know. And and that was the beginning of, you know, getting back on the air. And it, it lasted less than a year. So less we than a on, year. Yeah, less than a year we were, we were, uh, we were off. And um, but it was a tough time because mm-hmm. I realized how much I had put into it. Yeah, you know, I realized I was like, when it stopped, I was like, oh, that's a big portion of your fifteen years. Yeah, yeah. And so I was like, and you know, I, I was still directing videos and stuff, but Video Music Box, I was directing videos, I was directing commercials, I was doing a lot at mm-hmm. that time. But Video Music Box was really my baby. Yeah, you know, yeah. because that's where it started. Mm-hmm. And and I realized when it was off that how many people were watching it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I said, we got to get this back on. And so that was a tough time. Yeah. yeah. Did you ever consider in that year, like about, you know, eight, nine months to not, did you ever think like, I can't move forward, this is it? Did that thought ever cross your mind? Um, 
Like I'm not going to, I may not be able to keep going. I don't think I thought about if I may not be able to keep going. I just knew that if that wasn't fixed, I wasn't good at anything else. Oh, okay. Yeah. So this is like the like people core. Were like, oh, can you direct this and give yeah. it? And I couldn't even get my mind around directing videos. And, you know, so anybody else would be like happy to, you know, direct well, the okay, video. Yeah. Right. You know, and I was like, I got to get this video music box thing fixed first because it's too much a part of me. That's your identity at this point. Right. Yeah. And so... um, that part was 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 a difficult time because I didn't want to talk to nobody. I didn't want to go out. I Aww, felt like you know, yeah. like I was like, it was like, come to the club. Nope, not gonna be out there because everybody gonna be asking me the same. The question. same, and you don't have the answer. And yet. I don't have the answer. Yeah. So that was like that. Also drove you, like right. motivated you to like let me let me find another home for it. Yeah. That they, they, that that's when that that <laughs> obsession. I mean yeah. that uh that that thing kicks in and mm-hmm. you're like, okay. Let me work on this. Yeah, let me put me... that energy over here. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any advice for everybody listening? Because um, a lot of people are working on themselves, and a lot of people are doing that internal work. Mm. Um, when it comes to overcoming challenges, a lot of people get stuck. Like, yeah. would you say you were stuck for a minute? Yeah. yeah so, how do you stuck. get unstuck? Um, you you do have to listen to certain people because there are certain people that love you and care about mm-hmm. you. And, you know, and they get it. You know, mm-hmm. not everybody, you're passionate about things. Not everybody's going to have the same passion that right. you have. But there are a few people that understand your passion mm-hmm. and that that's a part of yeah. you. And so they will be talking to you and you're listening to them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they might be even more passionate about it at that point than you are. Yeah. And um, and you go and like, okay, I got to I gotta listen to that person. Mm-hmm. Or what take parts of what people say mm-hmm. and then, you know, and move forward. But, um. You know, you just got to put yourself now, you know, if I'm not there, I, you know, I got to put myself in a space that I really like. Mm. So I got to go mm-hmm. somewhere. I got to hear some music. I got to do something that takes me into a place. Well, and it yeah. might be something that I did or 20 years ago. Yeah. And it just take me to that place, you know, and then I feel good, you know, mm-hmm. and, then, and then I'm like, okay. Now I gotta keep that energy up. Yeah. Keep that same keep that same energy as yeah. they say. Yeah, know. keep that same energy. So yeah. you have to go back to what inspired you in the first place, yeah. you know, to then get in the the mood to want to yeah. get unstuck and find it. Which leads me to the next thing. You have to find your reason why again. You have to remember your reason, right? right. Why you did it. Yes. So what's the reason why you created Video Music Box? What's your why? Um, I think for me is I like to see people happy. Mm-hmm. I like to see people enjoy music. It came from being a DJ, mm-hmm. you know, being in clubs all night and playing music and you play that right song that everybody is enjoying themselves. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the first time I saw somebody else do that, I didn't, I was like, I want to do that. Whatever. How old doing. were you when you saw this? Um, maybe just, um, you know, 10, 9, 10 years old. So you like tapped that. into this at 10 years old. Yeah. I tell people I went to this party with my uncle. And uh, I mean, it was an outside event. It was at Reese Beach in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And that's when everybody used to go to Reese Beach. This is the 70s. And you people go out there. Reese Beach also has a nude section in it. Yeah, yeah. And people <laughs> go to the nude section. We'd be sneaking over there trying to see the, <laughs> the nudies. And then in one side, they would have basketball courts and they would have a basketball tournament. And like pro players used to be there. I was into sports as well. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I went with him one summer and these, there was these guys and they had speakers set up. And I was like, What's that all about? And they mm-hmm. were playing music. 
and I was into records. You know, I was into all kinds of vinyl because my uncle collected records. And I went over, and they were playing records that I never heard in my life. Mm-hmm. And everybody was jumping around having a good time. And I was like, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, where do they buy these records that yeah. I've never heard of before? Mm-hmm. Where did they get these speakers from? Yeah. You know, I just was intrigued by it. And so I would, once again, you know, me, I'd just stand there and watch these people for hours. Yeah. The DJs. Mm-hmm. And watch everything that they did. They went, they cleaned off the record. Yeah. They came back. <laughs> they put it on. Mm-hmm. They did certain things when they played the records. And I was like this, like, oh, okay. All right, I got mm-hmm. it. Now mm-hmm. I'm understanding how this works, you know. And so I just studied and watched. You know, I remember one night I came home and I couldn't hear because I was standing in front of the speaker. Oh, yeah. I couldn't hear. And I was like, I can't even hear because I was standing in front of this blasting speaker yeah, watching so a DJ yeah. for so long. And um, and so that became my motivation. And I was like, I want to do that. And and that was it. And there was a guy named um, Grandmaster Flowers. Mm-hmm. He's a you know legendary guy back in the seventies in Brooklyn. And um, some people say Grandmaster Flash got his name from Grandmaster Flowers. Mm-hmm. And um, and he just kept the dance floor crowded all the time, and people enjoyed it. And I was like, I want to do that. Yeah, I like that. You know, and I like music. I like all types of music. And the fact that he could pick the right records mm-hmm. to keep them going was the motivation. That was the goal. Yeah. Like, keep the people moving. Keep the people moving. So when I started doing Video Music Box, I said, okay, we got to start off with this song, and then we build up to this song, we build up to this song, this song that we can take a chance around this time, right? <laughs> now we can take a chance. Something yeah. new, yeah. And we got to get back up to They might use the bathroom during this something new. Right. Record. You know, go, go, go <laughs> grab a, you know, some cookies or right, something. Right, right. And so that was the motivation. And it still is, you know, I, I told Nas this, you know, I said, Video music box has always been the motivation. Says, yeah, because I feel like Nas said because I feel like when I was a kid, it went by so fast. Mm-hmm. But how long was it? Hour? How it was long an hour. was it? Oh, and he felt like it yeah. was over fast. I said because I I did it like we were doing a mixtape. Yeah, you I mean, curated this yeah. set. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and so that was the that was the idea that you know you wouldn't want to get up and miss anything. So that's what you were. Your goal is yeah. I'm, I want to lock these people in so that they don't even they don't move, move from the screen. Yeah, yeah. and you successfully did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good. The, another goat for that. Can we drop another goat? That's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. And um, you have your goals. You hit your goals. Um, did, were was one of your goals to make video music box a destination for all artists to desire to be featured on? Or did that just happen in the process? I think that um, people started showing up on their own. I didn't think about that part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like the elevated door would open and, you know, Will Smith is, or, you know, Fresh Prince is there or, yeah. you know, Dame Dash and Jay-Z are there or, you know, whoever. People were just coming off the elevator and mm-hmm. I'd be like, and this is all to get on on the show. The show, yeah. Did they want to be interviewed, or they want because you had, you were interviewing like it's promoting their new album, or you know, so yeah. they were just coming like they were just coming. Put me on. Here's my new video. Yeah. Um, Fat Joe used to come every day. Really, every day. See? There was a lady that worked in the security, and she would say she was she was Puerto Rican. Fat Joe's Puerto Rican, and they would be talking back and forth, and she was like the guy, the chubby. Spanish guy is upstairs waiting for you. And I would get upstairs, like, this is like 10 in the morning. Yeah. And he was just there. And later on in life, he said, Ralph, I had nowhere else to go. You know, oh. I was out in the yeah, streets yeah. doing whatever I was doing. Yeah. He said, 
And I would come home after hanging out with you and tell my friends on the block that I was hanging out with Ralph McDaniels. Mm -hmm. And people would go like, you lying. Stop lying. You wasn't wasn't with Ralph McDaniels. Right. And so he says, you have to put me on the show next time so they can see me. Wow. So I said, all right, no problem. And so one day we were, I took him with me to Jersey. He's not, he's not Fat Joe rapping yet. He's kind of playing around with the thing, with the, with the, with the idea of rapping. Mm-hmm. Make it, he's rapping, but he's not there yet. Mm-hmm. And I took him with me to New Jersey. He got booed. You know, I mm-hmm. remember it clearly. Mm-hmm. And I was like, don't worry. <laughs> you know, I was like, don't worry. When you put, you, when you get a record, they'll, they'll treat you different. Yeah. And but whenever the case was. We were backstage and he was hanging out with me and he started talking. You know, well, Uncle Ralph, you see me, you know. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Like, this is my proof. That meant the world to him. Because now when he got back on the block, people were like, they believed he, you are hanging out with yeah, Ralph McDaniels. Wow. And they were like, he was like, I told y'all. I told y'all I'd be with Ralph McDaniels. See? And so, um, and then six months later, he puts out Flojo uh-huh. and it's playing on the radio. Mm-hmm. And everybody loves him. But that you doing that could have possibly helped him with that confidence and, you yeah. know, moved him in that direction, yeah. which is why he gives you so much credit. Yeah. You know, like in all the interviews, he's always shouting you out for that. Absolutely. Um, where does that generosity come from? Because you have no ego, like none. And you could. Yeah. I think it was me um, just wanting to seeing young people. Want to do want, wanting young people to do well, mm-hmm. just like I had the opportunity. Somebody gave me an opportunity. If it was you know playing ball, or when I first got into TV, there was a guy who said, you know, I'm gonna give you a job when you graduate from mm-hmm. school, mm-hmm. and nobody ever said that to me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I have to give that same opportunity to somebody else. And um, but I think it came from. You know, like I used to coach basketball leagues in a hot summer and, you know, and stand out there mm-hmm. and watch kids, you know, who just want to win, you know. And, you know, even the kid that really wasn't that great, mm-hmm. you know, you gave him, you know, his time on the, in the game, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I think that it came from that. I think that, I don't know, maybe somebody did it for me somewhere on those basketball courts back then. <laughs> and I got it. And then I, I wanted to pass it on to other people. I, you know, like there's people that I meet that played, that I coached. And they're like, you know, you know, in business now, or mm-hmm. they're teachers, or they're principals at schools. And yeah. you're like, do you remember I played on your team? And yeah. I'm like, oh, you go back like that with me? And they're yeah. like, yeah, Ralph, you know, coach. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, um, you know, there used to be this thing called Each One Teach One. It was a program in Harlem. Mm-hmm. And, and I was part of that, too. Yeah. And, and that's where, you know, our community was like that. Yeah. At that particular At time. At that time, definitely. Yeah. And and then, you know, things changed. And, mm-hmm. you know, and for, you know, a number of reasons why yeah. things changed. <laughs> but that's a whole other show. <laughs> yeah, that but, is. But um, our community was like that. Mm-hmm. You know, like my boy Jamel Shabazz, he has a book out, Before Crack. Mm-hmm. And you look at everybody and, and it's like beautiful. Yeah, everybody was everybody's friends. Yeah. You know, we all sense of community, unity right. was there. Yeah. And then everything changed. Now it's every man for himself. Once that you make it, you switch up. Right. You know, so thank you for never switching up. Thank you for always reaching back, sending the elevator back down. (laughs) Definitely another key to being a great person is to be generous. You have a super generous spirit. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Yeah. No, I, I, you know, I get it. You know, it's, this is a, 
you know, you you tell me certain things when we had our conversation mm-hmm. in the beginning, and I don't know if it was in the email or something you said that, um, you know, I was like, all right, you know, let's do it. It yeah. sounds it sounds like it's different. Yeah. Which is good. Yeah, different is good, a hundred percent. So we're gonna wrap this up. I want to touch on this one point because it was it meant a lot to me watching it when I was doing my research for this interview. You were interviewing DMX um, mm. in 1999. He was promoting his third album, and Romeo Must Die. And he said that Video Music Box he used to watch this when he was in prison. Yeah. And that's the thing that, like, he said to himself, "Let me." That was his motivation to staying out of trouble, keeping his head down, and getting back out so he could get his music together and do what he needed to do. And that was because of like what he saw you. Like, I need to get on Video Music Box. Yeah. How does that make you feel now, now that he's passed, like knowing that just you saying yes, you know, to the idea and you being such a great person that you overcame all of these obstacles. Like you didn't even have a blueprint to say, this is what I want it to be. You know, you did all of this. Like, how does that make you feel to know that you ins- you inspired DMX on that level? One of the greatest yeah. rappers. Nah, I remember clearly when he started saying that in that interview to me, and he's like, he says, "Man, you don't have no idea what this really yeah, is." Yeah, right yeah. He you kept have, saying that. Yeah, and um, I realized the importance of the show, and that's kind of like that was the motivation. After, like when we talked about when it went off the air. Yeah. Like this is bigger than me. Yeah. It means something to somebody, mm-hmm. you know, if it was DMX or whoever it was. Um, it was important. It was a thread of our community. It was a place for you to see people that look like you. It was a place mm-hmm. for you to come up to me and say, hey, I want to talk about this, Ralph. Right. All right let's talk about it. So that. Um, that moment. Yeah. That moment hit hard, you mm-hmm. know, when he passed. It really hit hard because he always, even after that that interview in 1999, Mm -hmm. he would literally come across the room wherever he was at and say, Ralph, Uncle Ralph, what's up? You know, and he, you know, and he was such a great person. Mm -hmm. You know, he had his demons and things that we were dealing with in life, but there was always respect. And he, and he said like, you know, you have to, people have to treat people in a certain way, Ralph. They don't understand. Mm -hmm. The only reason why I get crazy is because when you start treating me the same way, (laughs) which is, you know, which is really most thugs that I know, most gangsters that I know, is like, well, if he hadn't done this, I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have did that. Yeah. It's a respect. It's always a respect. Yeah. And you respect everybody. Like, you don't treat, you would treat the janitor, me, Nas, Jay-Z, the same. The same way. Yeah. Because, you know, I think that's what I, you know, that's what I grew up on. And so, yeah. So hopefully you guys have been taking notes. This has been like a life lesson, really, in this, I think, an hour, maybe hour, 20 minutes that we've been recording. And I just want to let you know, I study Jim Rohn a lot, one of the greatest motivational speakers. Mm-hmm. And he says the key to greatness is when you find a way to serve many. And you definitely have served the masses. Yes. Like you have definitely earned GOAT status. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Can you. Can we drop a GOAT? Awesome. Um so how do you want to be remembered? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that um, I did a good job at bringing out music, just putting out good music, playing, introducing people to good music. Um, a community person. Mm-hmm. Community was very important to me. 
making sure that people were aware of what was going on in their community and that they need to get involved as young people. And because I did. Mm -hmm. And so it helps, you mm -hmm. know, and you, you understand in your where you live at. Yeah. And if you could sum hip hop up in one word, hip hop is hip hop is religion. That's deep. Yeah. Hip hop is a way of life. It's a way a, of life. A, a, a lifestyle. Yeah. You know, and I'm not I don't go to church, mm -hmm. you know. But um for many of us it was the only place that we could connect to something mm -hmm. and something um, greater than ourselves yes exactly yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and that's that's what it means you know it's not just the top hot hot songs you know mm -hmm. or the hottest dance or the latest tiktok mm -hmm. you know it's, right it's bigger than that yeah definitely yeah. so this has been an amazing amazing interview um i've learned so much and and it's good that, again it is hip-hop history month Shout out to that. Uh, happy National Hip Hop History Month to everybody. We all have, from this conversation, I'm sure you've gotten, we all have the seeds of greatness inside of us. And we all have what it takes to be great. It's really up to us to do it. But no matter how great we are and how much we accomplish, always remember God is the greatest. Thank you. Peace. <laughs>